Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name is Tom, and I'm the smartest guy in the country, and maybe even in the world. Don't you believe me? Let me tell you everything right now. Before, I used to be stu... Well, let's just say not very clever. All day long, I was watching TV, playing video games, and shaking my head to hard rock, which played so loudly that the speakers were almost exploding. These were my favorite activities. I liked such life and was happy, but my parents weren't. This is because at school, I was not just among those who lagged behind, but... I was the most underperforming student. The principal even wanted to expel me from school dozens of times and send me to a school for mentally retarded students. But the pleas of my parents stopped him. I could not help it. The lessons seemed to me terribly long, and from calculating all kinds of numbers and memorizing the rules, I had a headache, which was so severe that sometimes I just skipped classes. Dad was really mad at me, calling me a fool, while Mom was very worried. She even took me to the doctors who couldn't help me and prescribed me useless vitamins. Mom made me take a whole bunch of them, hoping that they would help me, but they had no effect. Once, during a regular visit to our attending physician, Mr. Stanford, an incredible thing happened. When we entered his office, Mr. Stanford was not there. Instead, there was some guy aged about 40 who had a mustache. He behaved in a strange manner and looked more like a special agent than a doctor. My mother and I were really surprised and already headed towards the exit when the doctor, a la special agent, took out some folder and threw it onto the table. The pictures of me flew out of the folder. Mom started asking a bunch of questions, but that weird guy was just standing in silence. At some point, when my mom calmed down, he loudly and clearly said that Mr. Stanford did not know how to help me, so he transferred me to more experienced specialists who were watching me in order to gather as much information as possible. The weird guy added that scientists have already invented a drug that could help me, but it was experimental and might cause side effects, so they needed our consent to use it. Mom did not listen to him, and grabbing my hand, she dragged me away from that psycho, slamming the door loudly when leaving. The next day, I was sitting in the class and dreaming about how I would be injected with a secret serum and would become super strong or something like that. But this process was interrupted by the voice of my teacher who called me to the blackboard. There was a problem on the blackboard, the simplest one, and I understood it, but my brain refused to process it. I started thinking and had a terrible headache. I blushed. While looking at this show, my classmates started laughing at me. I felt pain, and they found it funny. They called me very unpleasant names. I won't mention them here. Then I broke down and burst into tears. After that, I rushed out of the office like a bullet and ran home. On the way, I remembered my classmates and the fact that they were always mocking and laughing at me. After opening the door of the house, I saw my mother making a pie in the kitchen. 
I rushed to her and hugged her tightly. I shouted that I no longer wanted to be stupid, cried, and asked to take me to that weird doctor. Mom hugged me back. She agreed. Early in the morning, we went to the hospital. While I was in the car with my mom, it seemed to me that my life would never be the same again. We went to Mr. Stanford's office, but as before, that weird doctor was sitting in his place. He handed me a piece of paper and gave me a pen for me to put a signature. The weird guy mentioned the side effects again, but I didn't listen to him. I wanted to be smart, so I signed the paper. This doctor put a small steel box on the table, then opened it with a key, which he found in his coat pocket. He took out a pill from the box and handed it to me. He gave me water to drink. The doctor said that it was allowed to take the medicine only once a day because the drug was very strong, so I would need to come there every day for a new pill. Mom was driving me to school. I thought that as soon as I took the pill, everything would change immediately, but I did not feel any changes. That was weird. When I was sitting in the classroom, the teacher called me to the blackboard again. I was afraid that I would disgrace myself once more, but the task on the blackboard was easy, and I gave a correct answer. Everyone was surprised. Then he wrote a more difficult problem. Without thinking at all, I gave the correct answer. No one in the class understood how I managed to do it. My teacher has already covered the entire blackboard with writing. There were tasks and formulas that we weren't familiar with, and teacher did not know how to solve them either because he had copied everything from the internet. I was thinking there was no headache and no one was knocking inside my head like before. It seemed that time around me slowed down a bit. It finally dawned on me that the pill started working. I gave an answer and the teacher started checking everything on the internet. At that moment, I found it funny that he did not know the answer himself. I started laughing and my classmates were applauding me. When I got home, I tried playing video games but now they seemed silly and too slow to me. At dinner, mom and dad were happy. They said that someone had called from school and praised me. Surprisingly, they also seemed to speak more slowly than usual. The next day, I got to the weird doctor's office. I said that the medicine worked, but I needed more of it. I demanded to give me all the pills. He asked me to note down my feelings. After I did this, he gave me one pill and water again. I felt great. At that time, I only received A's. Teachers looked stupid in front of me, as did my classmates. Due to the fact that I perfectly understood people, I knew what they wanted to say and even what they thought, and I quickly made a lot of friends. Yes, I started taking advantage of the fact that I was smarter than everyone else. I participated in all the contests, took first prizes, and even became the captain of a basketball team. Of course, that magic pill didn't make me very strong or fast, but because of my super brain, I predicted literally every step and every throw of my opponent. The rival seemed slow to me, and I understood at what angle the ball had to be thrown in order to get into the hoop. I became a school superstar. I even had my own fans. I still came to that weird doctor with a mustache every day to describe my feelings and get a magic pill. Despite the fact that I was very popular at school, I quickly got tired of it and people seemed boring to me, just like the rest of the world. I wanted more, and I was just a favorite of the school. I wanted to study the mysteries of our planet and look for the, all the cures for all diseases, but for that, I needed pills. On this day, I arrived at the hospital for the pill earlier than usual. 
I learned a long time ago the schedule of that weird guy and knew that he was not in the office at that time. So I got there easily. His overall was hanging on the chair and the key to the pillbox was in it. I took out the box and inserted the key. When I opened it, I saw that it was full of pills and that damn doctor gave me just one of them a day. When I took a large handful of pills, the door of the office suddenly opened. It was a doctor with a mustache. He rushed toward me shouting, No! But it was too late. I swallowed the pills. I wanted to start laughing in his face, but I realized that he suddenly stopped. Not just stopped, but froze in a running posture. He hardly moved his lips. I looked at the clock in the corner. The second hand did not move. Has it been broken? I went outside. Cars did not move. Birds froze in the sky and did not move their wings. I ran to school. The school was full of children, but none of them moved. So I rushed home. At home, my mother stood at the stove, but she did not move at all either. I fell to my knees and started crying again. Then it finally dawned on me that it was not time that had stopped, but that I began thinking too quickly for this world. My name is Tom, and I don't want to be smart anymore. Six months have already passed. Birds began to slowly move their wings, and cars began to move a little from their places. But all this is so long. It seems it will take several more years until everything becomes as it had been before. I hope I won't go crazy with loneliness. What would you do if you became super smart? Give your answers in the comments. Hey, my name is Tom, and I've always struggled with my weight. I've been overweight for as long as I can remember. Tired of feeling down about myself, I decided to join a gym to improve my health and fitness. As I walked in, I was immediately intimidated by all the fit and muscular people working out around me. But I was determined to make a change. The gym coach, Jake, was the epitome of the popular guy. Athletic, cocky, and always surrounded by his equally fit friends. To make matters worse, he had a stunning athletic girlfriend named Amy. I couldn't help but feel embarrassed by my body and lack of fitness compared to everyone else, especially Amy. As I started working out, I found it really difficult to keep up with the routines, and Jake's continuous mockery only made me feel worse. One day, as I struggled to finish a set of push-ups, Jake sauntered over with a smirk on his face. Hey, Tom, you know it's uh, not a competition to see who can do the fewest push-ups in a minute, he sneered, clearly enjoying my discomfort. Trying to brush off his comments, I replied, Well, at least I'm trying, Jake. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know. Jake laughed, unimpressed by my comeback. True, but at this rate, you'll be ripped and ready for the cover of Nerdy Fitness Weekly in a lifetime. During a group workout session, Jake decided to pair people up for partner exercises. To my dismay, he paired me with his girlfriend, Amy. As we started the routine, I could feel Jake's eyes on us ready to pounce on any opportunity to humiliate me. When we moved on to partner squats, Jake couldn't resist by making another dig. Wow, Tom, you're really struggling there. Maybe you should just try squatting with a book instead of Amy. You know, something more your speed. Despite the embarrassment, I refused to let Jake's taunts get the better of me. Very funny, Jake. I'm just getting warmed up. As the days went by, the humiliation only intensified. During a cardio session, Jake sneered. Maybe you should lose some weight first before attempting this, Tom. Don't pass out this time like you did last week. I gritted my teeth and responded. Thanks for the concern, but I've got this, Jake. In another instance, while I was struggling to use the weight machines, 
Jake mockingly suggested. Hey, Tom, don't break the equipment with all that weight you're carrying. We wouldn't want to have to replace it. I rolled my eyes and retorted, Don't worry, Jake. I think your ego is a greater threat to this place than I am. One day, as I stumbled during a workout, Jake jeered. Did you just roll off the couch, Tom? You really shouldn't be here among us athletes. This gym is no place for druggies and dropouts. Frustrated by his relentless bullying, I snapped back. You know what, Jake? I may not be as fit as you, but at least I'm working on it. Could you say the same about your personality? Little did I know that my life was about to take a surprising turn, and Jake's attempt to mock me would backfire in a way he never expected. Despite Jake's continuous mockery, I started noticing that Amy didn't share her boyfriend's mean-spirited attitude. In fact, she was nothing like the popular stereotype I had expected her to be. She was kind, supportive, and even encouraging as we worked out together. Come on, Tom. You can do it. Just a few more reps, she'd say during our training sessions, her voice full of genuine encouragement. Under Amy's guidance and support, I began to make significant progress at the gym. My strength and endurance improved, and I started to excel in the exercises. Jake, however, only seemed to intensify his humiliating tactics. One day, as I struggled to lift a particularly heavy weight, Jake called out, Careful, Tom. Don't want you to get a hernia or something. The whole gym laughed as my face turned red with embarrassment. As Amy and I grew closer, Jake's jealousy and possessiveness started to show. He would hover around us during workouts, making snide remarks and trying to belittle me at every opportunity. He even went as far as accusing me of trying to steal his girlfriend. Things came to a head when Jake claimed to have caught Amy and me kissing on his 4K camera. He stormed into the gym one day, waving his phone around like a trophy, and confronted us in front of everybody. You two have been sneaking around behind my back, huh? Well, guess what? I've got proof. Amy, clearly fed up with Jake's behavior, took a deep breath and looked him in the eye. Jake, it's over between us. I can't be with someone who treats people the way you do. You're constantly putting Tom down. But he's shown me that there's more to life than just being fit and popular. The gym fell silent, everyone staring at the unfolding drama. I stepped forward, taking Amy's hand in mine. Jake, you've got to learn that it's not about how you look or what you can do physically. It's about how you treat people and what kind of person you are inside. Jake stood there, stunned, as Amy and I walked out of the gym together, hand in hand. In the days that followed, word spread about what had happened. People started to look up to me. Not only because of my newfound confidence and gym prowess, but also because I had shown them that being a good person matters more than popularity. In the following weeks, Amy and I continued to grow closer, our bonds stronger than ever. But Jake couldn't accept that things were over between him and Amy. He resorted to stalking us, making our lives miserable with his unwelcome presence. One evening, as Amy and I sat down for a romantic dinner at a local restaurant, Jake sauntered in uninvited. He pointed at me, sneering, Hey, Tom, couldn't you at least put on a decent shirt? You look like a homeless guy. Are you sure you can afford this place? During one of our weekend outings to the park, Jake appeared out of nowhere, a smug grin plastered on his face. He looked at my worn-out sneakers and said loudly, What's the matter, Tom? Did you have to fish those out of a dumpster? How pathetic! As Amy and I walked through the mall, Jake followed us from store to store, making snide remarks about my inability to afford the latest trends. Oh, look at Tom, browsing the sales rack like he's hunting for treasure. Gotta pinch those pennies, huh? At a local coffee shop where Amy and I were enjoying a quiet afternoon, Jake burst in and started ridiculing me in front of everyone. Hey, Tom, I bet you're only here because they have free Wi-Fi. 
Can't afford internet at home, can you? That's just sad. One day, as Amy and I were headed to the movies, Jake intercepted us, feigning concern. Are you sure you want to go in there, Tom? Last I heard, they don't accept food stamps for movie tickets. Despite Jake's constant harassment, I remained patient, determined not to let him ruin my newfound happiness. One day, I decided it was time to reveal a secret I had kept hidden. I was actually a millionaire. My wealth had accumulated through smart investments and a successful business, but the stress of all of it led me to gain weight. Now, this should be interesting, I mused as I shared the news with Amy, who was ecstatic. Together, we decided it was time to use my wealth for a greater purpose and see how Jake would react. When Jake caught wind of the news, he was stunned. He approached me hesitantly, his voice dripping with disbelief. Is it true, Tom? Are you really rich? I grinned, my eyes twinkling with amusement. Yes, Jake, it's true. But my wealth doesn't define who I am. I've learned that true happiness comes from the relationships we build and the person we become. I announced that I would be starting a charity to combat bullying and create a safe space for those affected by it. As part of the initiative, I would be purchasing the gym where we all worked out and appointing Amy as the top trainer. Surprise, Jake! You never really know who you're mocking, do you? I teased, reveling in his shock. But don't worry, I have a proposition for you too. I extended an invitation to Jake, offering him a chance to participate in the charity and help out at the gym. But there was a catch. His role at the gym would be that of a janitor. It was an opportunity for him to learn humility and the value of hard work. As I reveled in the idea of Jake's newfound humility, another unexpected revelation came to light. It turned out that Jake had been hiding a secret of his own. He was the heir to a massive fortune, but he had been concealing it in order to live a normal life, away from the pressures of wealth and expectation. When his secret was revealed, the dynamic between Jake, Amy, and me shifted dramatically. No longer driven by jealousy and insecurity, Jake embraced his role as a janitor at the gym and became an active participant in the charity. It seemed that by revealing my own wealth, I had inadvertently allowed Jake to come to terms with his. We confronted Jake about his hidden fortune, and he was surprisingly candid about it. Yeah, it's true. I've been hiding my wealth to live a life where I'm not constantly judged by my bank account. But seeing you, Tom, being open about your riches and using them for good, it's made me realize that I can do the same. The gym community, witnessing our transformations, rallied around us. We all worked together to create a better, more inclusive environment, with Amy leading the way as head trainer. As we focused on combating bullying and promoting kindness and respect, we discovered that true success and happiness don't come from wealth or popularity, but again, from the relationships we build and the people we become. In the weeks that followed, the bonds between us all grew stronger. Jake, now humbled and dedicated to making a difference, became an essential part of our charitable endeavors, and I continued to use my resources for the greater good. It was a testament to the power of redemption and the importance of the relationships we form in our lives. Just when it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, another twist emerged. A mysterious benefactor had been supporting the gym all along. This anonymous individual had been responsible for keeping the gym afloat during tough times and was now ready to reveal their identity. To our astonishment, the mysterious benefactor was none other than Jake's long-lost father, who had been monitoring his son's actions from afar. I wanted to see if you could change, Jake, his father explained. I'm proud to see that you have. As Jake stood in belief, Amy chimed in. Looks like life has a way of teaching us all a lesson or two, huh, Jake? With newfound humility and a chance at redemption, Jake embraced his role at the gym and in the charity, 
proving that we all have the power to change for the better. I hate it when people tell me I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, especially when they don't know how awful my parents were to me. My name is Coda, and from the very start of my life, they made it their mission to make me feel like my birth didn't matter. I never had a birthday, never celebrated one, because they never told me when I was born and how old I was. The one thing they did for me was giving me a king's education. I had the best tutors in the world, the most private education. I had teachers and professors give me private classes in my own home. I was isolated from the world, but I also became a genius. But even though my mind was sharp as a needle, I gravitated towards the arts. I was a creative at heart, and the one thing I loved doing the most was singing. By age six, I was already singing classical pieces that even grown adults found intimidating to perform, and I did it all in the privacy of our attic. My most profound talent became my biggest secret, because if my parents found out, I knew they would do all they could to stop me from singing. I used my intelligence to study music on my own, and whenever my parents would go on holidays, I would sneak music teachers into our house, and I would have them teach me everything they knew. The best voice coaches in the world came to teach me in secret. I was always alone. Not going to regular schools like everybody else made me lonely. I didn't have the chance to meet friends. And that sadness, I channeled it all into music. One day, while I was doing my vocal warm-ups, my mom heard me. She dragged me to my dad without a word. Then, she told on me. Your son... has been singing! Singing? What are you, some commoner? We hire people for entertainment, boy. We're not the ones who step so low as to be the entertainment. You will stop this nonsense now, or you'll be cut off of the will. I suggest you focus your efforts on becoming the best businessman you can be. After all, you will have to run the company when we retire. I had no choice. No one to turn to. I grew up shy and socially awkward, and I was weak. I did everything my parents told me to because I never had the guts to fight back. I stopped singing for a while, but when I was really down, I would still do it. It was the only thing that cheered me up. It was on the day that our mansion was being renovated that I met her. The noise from the workers was so loud that I decided to put my earbuds on to drown them out. But without noticing, I had started singing along at the top of my lungs. Suddenly, my mom slapped me. Shut that mouth of yours! Can't you hear we have company? Butler, get the door! And when the doors opened, I saw the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. She flipped her hair and said hello to my parents. I'm so sorry. I was walking my dog down the street when I heard the most beautiful voice coming from your house. May I ask who was singing? No one! No one here sings! How dare you accuse us of doing such disgusting things! Oh, uh, it's just... I'm also a singer, and... Uh, perhaps it was your son. Nonsense! Butler, get this trespasser off my property! I was 16 when I finally found out my real birthday. I bribed one of the doctors who was working in the hospital I was born at. So I wanted to throw a party and I wanted to celebrate it by sharing the songs I wrote to the world. I was ready to show the world who I really was. But then, my parents shut down my plans, saying I was not worthy of celebrating my own birthday. 
They told me that only when I ascended through our company and became worthy of being CEO will I be able to do whatever I wanted for my special day. I was so depressed I ran out of the house and got lost in the maze in the garden. It was then that I heard a beautiful voice like a mermaid's, and like a sailor lost at sea I followed the siren's call, until I emerged from the maze and saw her on the other side of our walls, singing as she played her guitar. Hey, I was waiting for you. you you're that girl. From before. Yeah, and I've come back for you. Your parents stifle your true talent. You should come with me. She climbed up the wall and offered me her hand to take. And I was in love at first sight. She was offering me freedom. And I took it. I ran away with Ari after she learned what a bad life I had. She hid me in a recording company studio so that my parents wouldn't be able to find me. That was when I found out that Ari was a rich recording artist. Ari fed me, clothed me, hid me, and hired bodyguards for me. I felt really safe going out after that, knowing that my parents could never take me back by force. I worked at the studios, writing and recording late at night when nobody was there. I wrote lots of amazing songs, and after six months of living there, I was able to complete an entire album that I knew would be a hit. Only one day, I woke up and all my work was gone. I panicked. I ran around the whole place, and then, while I was rummaging around the trash in case someone had thrown my stuff away, I heard something coming from the music producers. It was my song, and Ari and her producer were laughing and toasting something. You... You stole my songs! <laughs> what did you think? You were just gonna live on my dime for free? It's just business, kid. Just how the industry works. Luckily, your voice sounds a bit like a girl's and close enough to Ari's, so we can sell all your work as if she's the one who wrote and sang them. I... I'll get you for this. Not before I get my money's worth first. Ari and her producer locked me up in one of the studios, and they locked me in there with four bodyguards. I was in there for three days, and I didn't know what to do. Until I got a brilliant idea. I pretended to see my parents outside. I acted my heart out. Help! You have to stop them or they'll try to steal me! And the bodyguards believed me. They ran out of the room to chase after what they thought were my parents. What they didn't know was that because I spent all my time in the studios, I knew exactly what the layout of the building was. It took no more than two seconds to get up onto the vents. I crawled quietly, and then... As I heard the commotion of them looking for me, I dropped out of the alleyway. I ran away for the second time in my life. But this time, I didn't feel free. I just felt like a massive loser for letting the girl I loved steal my life's work. I lived in the streets for weeks. My only comfort was my new friend, Sam. She was homeless too, and she helped me a lot. I didn't know how to survive, so I'd bust in the sidewalks, the parks, and the train subway stations. My talent was finally working for me. I earned a bunch of money. I saved it all up, thinking I could maybe get enough to be able to rent a small room until I got back on my feet. But one morning, as I woke up in the park bench that Sam and I slept on, I saw that everything I owned had been stolen. Even Sam's stuff was gone too. I was left with nothing but the jacket I had on. I was so mad that I got stolen from again, and it reminded me of Ari, that I threw the jacket she bought me on the day she helped me escape my parents' house. 
but as I fell to the ground, I noticed a piece of paper sticking out from the secret pocket. I opened it up and saw that it was an old song I wrote. It was the birthday song I wrote when I was depressed on my 16th birthday. It was the last remaining song that Ari wasn't able to steal. I was about to cry. Instead, I stood up and stood on a small stage. I sang that song with all my heart, even when tears began flowing down my cheeks. For the first time in a very long time, I put all my emotions into my music. Then one person came to watch. Then two. And then suddenly there was a crowd around me. People were taking videos, many of them were crying too. I got so many tips that day. But more than that, I felt so happy that my music was able to reach people. My song about my life touched people's emotions. I was so proud. The next morning, I was woken by a guy in a suit. He was a reporter, and behind him were ten more reporters from all the different networks. I had gone viral. I was on TikTok, YouTube. Every single social media was blowing up with my singing. I gave interviews, and in them, I told everyone of my story and how Ari stole my songs. Her career and the producer's career was over after that. I got signed by a pretty big recording company. I went on tour, and then I married Sam. I rescued her from the streets and took her wherever my tours took me. One day, during my anniversary concert, I saw my parents in the crowd far away. It was my birthday, and people were singing happy birthday for me. My parents hated that. I could see it in their faces. But having that happen while they were in the crowd was so satisfying, because they always made me feel like my birth never mattered. But now, thousands of people were celebrating my existence. I thanked my fans, I kissed my wife, and then I jumped into the crowd as I smiled in triumph. I'm Henry, and when I was a little boy, I realized I wanted a different life from what I knew. I was sick of all the rules. Every morning, a maid would wake me up by throwing all the curtains wide open. I needed to be at the breakfast table with my parents at 7.30 on the dot. I would get driven to Eton, and there I'd have a private tutoring session. The only thing I looked forward to at school were my friends. At around lunchtime, we'd eat together, and then I got to join in on our classes for the afternoon. I know some people don't like boarding schools, but I wish my parents would let me board instead of driving every day. I wanted freedom, I guess. A lot of people talk about it like it was some sort of magical thing. I never knew what that was like. My every move has been watched by people my whole life. From the moment I came into this world, the media, the country, the whole world even. I just wanted a normal life. I fantasized about having a normal high school experience, like what you see in those Hollywood movies. So, with the help of my friends, I ran away. They climbed up to my window and busted me out of the palace. Jude drove us to a private hangar and they put a disguise on me. Jude handed a wad of cash to his dad's pilot. I hugged all three of them and said my goodbyes. And just like that, I was in the air and on my way to Los Angeles to live out the life I'd always dreamed of. The first thing I saw when we landed was my face on the front page of every newspaper. Prince goes missing, the headlines said. 
Lucas arranged the place I would stay at. It was lucky that his family had a mansion there, and they rarely visited it. Paul helped me too. He hacked into the U.S. government sites and faked my identity. He sent me a fake ID, a fake passport, and opened a bank account for me to which he transferred my money. He enrolled me into a high school nearby, and that very next Monday, I started my dream life. Everyone was excited about the kid who was transferring in the middle of sophomore year, and I made a bunch of friends. They were all curious about the accent. I got a job at a car wash. I knew I had to sell the idea that I was just a normal kid, and I didn't want anyone suspecting that I was rich. I rode a bike to school and never invited anyone to the house. I joined the rugby team, and that's where I met Damien. I had a bad feeling about him from the moment we met, and that was immediately confirmed when during tryouts he never even needed to play. I just saw his dad talking to the coach and he was immediately accepted. Not only that, he became the captain. The rookie got promoted on his first day. It was unbelievable. I started dating a girl who sat behind me in Spanish. Her name was Laura. And I guess, for some reason, Damien considered me his rival. Probably because, even though he was the rugby captain, he was the worst player we had. And I was the best. Yo, introduce me to that girl you're seeing and I'm gonna bench you the whole season. No thanks, find your own girlfriend. <laughs> I don't like her, I just wanna see you squirm. Bugger off, Damien. Or what? What if I tell everyone your little secret? Your majesty. It's your royal highness, you ignorant... Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I know all about you. I read the news, and your disguise is awful. Now give me your girl's number, or I'll ruin your little vacation. One phone call, and your family will come scoop you up and take you back to where you belong. I had no choice, and I guess it turned out to be the right move. Because as soon as Laura found out that Damien was rich, she jumped ship like I was the Titanic, and she showed her true colors. I asked her to talk about it, but she dumped me in a text, told me she couldn't meet up because she had a family thing. Come to find out, she was at the same Halloween party as I was that very same night. Only, she had a date. Damien. Unsurprisingly, I was furious. Don't act so surprised, Henry. Did you really think I'd stay with you now that I know Damien wants me? You're literally penniless, an orphan, and you have a weird accent. Nobody really bothered with how I sounded until then. But when Laura said it, everyone laughed. And from that moment on, the kids at school would just chuckle every time I talked. They would imitate me, and they were bad imitations too. They spoke like chavs and not in the same accent as royalty like me would have. But I didn't want to stick out even more than I already did, so I just kept my head down and laughed it off. I wanted to live this life. I wanted the American high school experience that I saw in the movies. But when Damien took it too far, I had no other choice but to reveal who I was. We went to a lake for camp that year, and weird things kept happening. Kids complained that their stuff kept going missing, and it wasn't just small things either. One kid had a laptop stolen, another had her earrings taken from her while she was sleeping. About ten other kids got their phones stolen. Damien, with the help of my ex, spread rumors that I was the one taking the other kids' stuff during summer camp. He's the only poor one here. He works at a car wash. He clearly needs the money. Yeah, Damien's right. I couldn't just let it stand anymore. Why would I need your silly trinkets? I'm literally a prince. Ha 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 
<laughs> He's delusional now, too. Stop spewing nonsense and give us back what you stole, or we'll call the cops. I'm Prince Henry. You have the internet. Google me. Everyone laughed at me and called me loopy. Damien knew the truth, and he just kept lying and lying. I couldn't hold it in anymore. I lunged at him. We tussled and rolled around on the forest floor. You lying scumbag! Tell them! Tell them you know it's true! You cheat, you lie, and you manipulate my girlfriend to be with you, even though you don't even like her! What? Liar! Laura joined in on the scrap. She started pulling me away from Damien, and the crowd was closing in on me, demanding me to cough up their stuff that I didn't have. Enough! I thought I was hearing things. I thought I'd somehow teleported home. But when I looked up, it was really them. Jude, Lucas, and Paul were looking down at me, parting the crowd and reaching down to help me off the ground. How dare you treat a prince like this? Yeah, if we weren't in America, you lot would be charged with treason. What? Why are you here? We've got holidays too, mate. And what better way to spend them than to join you on your little adventure? I finally took my disguise off, and everyone gasped. They realized I wasn't lying. For some odd reason, people started bowing. Some curtsied. It was very weird. And at that perfect moment, Damien's bag burst. It must have torn from when we were rolling around in the dirt. And ten phones, a pair of earrings, and a few laptops were spewed everywhere. Even I was shocked. All along, it was him. The parents were called, but after scolding Damien for what he did, they didn't press charges. It was all thanks to his dad. He knelt in front of the parents and begged them not to ruin his son's future. It turns out they weren't rich anymore. Their dad had lost all their money in a pyramid scheme, and Damien was determined to keep up appearances so he would regularly steal and shoplift. The moment we heard that, Laura immediately broke up with him and came running back to me. But I rejected her, but she kept showing up at the mansion. One day, she managed to break in and found me, Lucas, Paul, and Jude lounging at the pool with all the popular girls, who now wanted to date my friends and me. I... I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I was blinded by his promises, and I thought he was rich. Ah, a gold digger who admits it. Ha <laughs> ha, that's rare. You should defo get back with her. Okay, on one condition. Do everything I tell you. As you can see, this house is huge, and I'm gonna need a maid. Say that again. Your voice is music to my ears. And you said my accent was weird. What? No. No, your accent isn't weird. I love your accent. All right, go fetch me a bottle of water. Chop, chop. She ran faster than I'd ever seen anyone do so. And when she returned, she was carrying a bucket of ice, from which she fished out several brands of the fanciest of bottled waters. I made her clean the house for an entire week. I made her cook me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I made her walk my dogs, and she did all of that with a smile. But I knew her real motives. She thought she could land a prince and become a duchess. That's all she was after. So, after I'd punished her thoroughly, I locked her out of the mansion. I stationed 20 guards to make sure she never broke in again. I posted photos of her desperately waving at me from outside the gate. She became a laughingstock. The most satisfying thing was having celebrities over and dating a movie star while Laura watched from afar. The life she could have had if she wasn't so obsessed with fame and fortune. 
I did fall in love during my time in America. She was a simple girl from the country. She grew up on a farm and had no evil ambitions. Her name was Stacy, and when she and her family visited me at Lucas's mansion, I made sure I kissed her as Laura watched, and I saw the hope in her eyes fade as she regretted every decision she made.